The Air Attack with BC The Man can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. Subscribe and share today. What's up, guys? We are back on the air attack after a short break. Long Memorial Day weekend, which was maybe the worst weather I've ever seen in New York and New Jersey. I mean, my God, just absolutely destroyed the shore businesses after, let's face it, a really rough year last year. But just, I mean, just ridiculously awful, awful weather. You would have thought it was March. I mean, it was it was just terrible around here. Just poured rain, highs in the 50s. I mean, Memorial Day was okay in the end, but man, what a rough weekend. Anyway. Follow the show on Twitter at Air Attack Radio. Follow me on Twitter at BCAK, the man. Speaking of the show, I know I was tagging a couple posts on social media about something happening with the show. I'm not going to get into that right now. Yes, something is happening. The show will be expanding. Um, I'm still finalizing everything and putting that together. As of now, the show is still available and will be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. So go ahead and subscribe and share that today. And we'll talk about everything else um, when it comes time. Memorial Day weekend is obviously about... The people that gave their lives for the country, it is absolutely fucking not about COVID, which is absolutely ridiculous that I even have to say it. Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York, who maybe is the worst governor in the entire country, decided to put out a tweet saying the flags in New York would be flown at half staff to honor all the frontline workers that gave their lives for COVID. No, that's not why the flags are at half staff on Memorial Day. They're for the guys from D-Day. They're from the guys who stormed the beaches at Normandy, the guys who fought in Korea. The guys who fought, fought in Desert Storm. The people that lost their lives uh, on and after 9-11. That's who, not, that's who Memorial Day is for. I'm sorry, but it's not for Debbie from Target. It just isn't. Who may or may, may or may not have died from COVID to begin with. We're not doing that. That's like saying everyone's wearing red around Christmas to honor China. We're, that's not why we do it. No, we don't do it. We're not honoring Russia when we wear red on Christmas. Okay, or Valentine's Day. Okay, that's for a different reason. So I'm sorry, but it's not about COVID. You can go ahead and have your barbecue. You can have your cookout. You can go down the shore. You can get drunk. You can act like a pig. I don't care what you do. Have fun with it. Enjoy the three-day weekend. And I know the, the president and the vice president took some heat because of stuff on social media. I'm kind of a halfway guy. You know what I mean? You can enjoy the long weekend because it's Memorial Day, because those people did give their lives. And you can also show respect to people. Here's what... Here's what maybe pissed a few people off about the president. And I don't mind the guy supporting businesses, but listen to the reaction when he goes and gets an ice cream cone in Ohio on Memorial Day weekend. Chocolate, chocolate chip. Whoa, chocolate, chocolate chip, huh? What flavor did you get, Mr. President? Chocolate, oh, that's the right answer, Mr. President. I don't think there is a more perfect answer than chocolate, chocolate chip. Listen to these children. Chocolate, chocolate chip. Whoa! Look at him! Like when a three-year-old when a three-year-old rides a bike for the first time. Oh my God! It's ridiculous. It is so absolutely ridiculous. The vice president took heat for wishing everyone a long weekend, a uh, happy long weekend. Listen, it's it's not that big of a deal. I, the next time she says something significant will be the first time, as far as I'm concerned. You're supposed to enjoy yourself, and to be fair about it, the president last year was doing a lot of tweeting, and they weren't all about the trip. So I think people need to lighten up a little bit about that stuff. But Memorial Day weekend is not about COVID. I'm sorry. I mean, not. I mean, number one, I think people have had enough COVID for a lifetime right now. You got vaccines out there. People are loosening up on the masks. If people still want to bury themselves in masks or hazmat suits, they can do that, but knock it off. And, and, how, and, and to disrespect the people that have fought for this country in the most hellacious type conditions is just, is just terrible. I don't, I don't really expect anything more than that from some people, but that's just how it is. Um, a lot to get to because I took a couple weeks off. That's always how it works. 
Real quickly, Demi Lovato is no longer a woman. Okay, she's non-binary, puts on some weight, gets a boy haircut, and ta-da, non-binary. The only thing I think about this is, is two things. Number one, this has become very fashionable lately amongst female, like, B and C-list celebrities. And I'd say that's where she falls. You have Elliot Page, formerly Ellen Page, Courtney Stodden. Remember, no, remember Courtney Stodden? She was like a teen model, and she married some 51-year-old dude. No one cares about anything these people are doing, and then, bam, they get a gender change, and you know what? No one cares again. It's just not a big deal. Knock yourselves out. I don't want to be labeled transphobic because that's obviously the worst thing you can be in 2021. I'm just kidding. The worst thing you can be in 2021 is, is Chrissy Teigen, who it turns out encouraged Courtney Stodden to kill herself a few years ago on Twitter. And again, follow me on Twitter at BCAK the man. Chrissy Teigen. Now, think of all the people that have gotten tossed off Twitter. Chrissy Teigen is telling a teenager to kill herself a few years ago, and there she is alive and well. Let's, let's just call it what it is. If she weren't married to John Legend, if she weren't a Trump hater, she'd be gone from Twitter. Permanently. Not suspended. Gone. She doesn't even get it so much as a suspension for this. She comes and goes as she pleases. She does whatever she wants to. And in a shocking twist, her husband, who is very talented, by the way, has no ability to talk a drop of sense into her. But they just keep putting her in commercials and parading around in, in evening gowns like that's going to fool all of us. That's just how it is. That's you or me. You are you are banned within the hour if you pull that. She pulled this years ago. And by the way, if you think just because it's a, it's a private message or whatever, that changes that. No, Twitter has access to all that shit, too. Those things aren't private. They're, I mean, you may think they're private because no one else can see you in the public. The people at Twitter can see all that stuff. Come on now. Absolutely ridiculous. But that's just what it is. When you're part of the, let's just say, the Hollywood cool kids, you can do whatever you want to do. Just what it is. Marcel Ozuna. Now, this is a serious story out of Atlanta. Cops walk in on him and his wife. I guess trying to beat the shit out of each other. Obviously, he's going to get the better of it because he's a professional athlete. And he's a man. Um, he was actually hurt earlier in the week last week. He broke a couple fingers in his hand. They put a cast on him. The cops walk in. He's grabbing his wife by the throat, throwing her against the wall, and then using the cast to hit her or mash her face in, depending on which version you, you basically rely on here. Serious situation. Not making light of it. Every time this happens, people go crazy. Every time this happens, I say, wait for the facts. The difference here is that the cops walked in on it. So it's not a he said, she said. Like Reuben Foster a couple years ago was accused of whacking his girlfriend. I talked about this right on the show. He was accused of whacking her in the face in a hotel in Tampa. The Niners cut him, which they should have done because he brought the problem to them. I mean, they, they should have at least suspended him. But cutting him, I, I really don't have that much of a problem with because he brought the cops to the hotel the night before a game. Gets himself arrested, spends the night in jail, wasn't available for the game anyway. But Ruben Foster's girlfriend had said that he whacked her in the face. And everyone's going crazy when, when, when you know, the, the Niners took their time cutting him. They go crazy when, when the then Redskins sign him. Oh, I'm done with this team, whatever. Well, it turns out she lied. She made the whole thing up. She, all she had was a cut on her collarbone, which is not what happens when your boyfriend whales you in the face. And it turns out that the woman has a history in the past of also fabricating stories against men. She's done it before. Fast forward to now with Marcelo Zuna. I tell people to calm down. The difference is the cops saw him strangle her. They saw him use his cast as a weapon. Today, more details come out. And you knew something was bad here because they held him without bail. You know, that's now I'm not downplaying domestic violence, but they held when they hold you without bail, without bond, usually pretty serious. Yeah, because the cops walked in and saw it. This wasn't a finger pointing kind of thing. This is what happened. Turns out he suspected her of cheating. Got hold of her phones while she was in the shower. Somehow she gets wind of this. This sounds, by the way, like a really fun household. A year ago, she threw a soap dish at him and cut him in the neck. They're still together, okay? She gets, he gets a hold of her cell phones. She goes nuts. She takes his cell phone, threatens to call 911. He then tries to leave. She chases him outside. 
the altercation, confrontation, what have you, spills back to the inside, at which point she now has a knife. She says because she feared for her safety. Okay, fine. Maybe you did. And he's, he's a pro athlete. He's bigger than you. He's a guy. Shouldn't be putting his hands on you anyway. But all of you desperate knights in shining armor, you apologists for females or, or, or any, you guys who basically want to just be on the woke train no matter what, who scream and yell like Booger McFarland did this on Monday Night Football a few years ago. There's no excuse for ever putting your hands on a woman. Well, wait a second. I've always said, what if she has a baseball bat? What if she has a knife? This girl had a knife. And she said it was because she feared for her safety. But my question is, if you feared for your safety, why did you not just let him leave? She says she chased him around the vehicle and wouldn't let him leave. And that's how the fight ended up back inside. That's when the cops walked in. I'm not condoning any of this. To me, these two people, I mean, you can't do this. I understand it's not legal. These two people shouldn't be allowed near each other. One way or another, someone's going to end up getting hurt really badly. She just did. She didn't go to the hospital, so obviously it wasn't life-threatening or anything. That doesn't mean this can't escalate to something really bad. Whenever there is violence, no matter who it comes from in a relationship, get the fuck out. Because now this happens. Now he's sitting in jail. She winged a soap dish at him last year, got him in the neck. I'm not, I'm not trying to sound melodramatic here, but what if that cut, cut an artery or something like that? What if, what if she escalates? What if she you know, gets him in his sleep or something? If she'll throw a soap dish at you, what comes next? And now here he is beating her with his cast, grabbing her by the throat and throwing her into a wall. And you're going to stay together like this? And this is just the part we know about. This is just the part that was found out by the public. The cops were called to the house by neighbors who heard the screaming. And that was probable cause to enter the apartment. And they walked right in and saw what he was doing. So you know what? Maybe he was attacking her. Maybe, she, maybe he did that to get the knife out of her hands. I don't know. But the story has absolutely morphed from what you, first, what you first thought it was. So for all you guys that love to jump to conclusions just so you sound like you're, you know, just vigorous defenders of women, just calm down. There's plenty of time for the facts to come out. Like Ray Rice, I'm not saying it makes it right what he did when he, when he decked his wife and knocked her out and then dragged her across the casino floor. But the part you didn't see in the video, and I was told this by a friend of, of his attorney's, was that right before he hits her, and it's in the video, everything's on the video, it's in, it's in a casino, his wife is beating the shit out of him. Now, does that, does that really justify what he did in return? No, but it's part of the story. And if it doesn't matter, then TMZ wouldn't have clipped that part out of the, uh, out of the edit. But they did. That's exactly what they did. So we will see what happens. Minimum mandatory sentence for what he did to his wife here is one year in the state of Georgia. Means if he's found guilty of that, judge has no choice but to give him at least a year in jail. Playing baseball right now and staying married may be the least of his problems. Bottom line, when it escalates into violence, okay, you better sort it out completely or just get out. I understand feelings and everything like that. I make excuses for the, for the women. The women make excuses for the men. I get it, okay, but it's not worth all this. It just isn't. The guy living at the top of the world, and now he's sitting in a jail cell with no bond. Well, the whole world basically, you know, looks at him as if he's a monster. And maybe he is. I don't know. You know, maybe I, I certainly it certainly doesn't look good. But when the cops walk in on this, it's different. I don't know how this works down there because every state's different with these laws. I don't know if she even has to press charges if the cops, especially if the cops are eyewitnesses. So Marcelo Zuna could be in major, major trouble. Hey, listen, he had every chance to get out. Sounds like he tried to get out last week. His wife wouldn't let him. She, you know, she pulls out a knife. I, I would say just the fact that she admits that she had a knife. I would say it's enough for me to reserve judgment until I hear more details here. But the bottom line is that this situation needs to come to an end before someone really gets hurt. This is fucking insane. I'm sorry. I mean, we've all, we've all been in arguments. We've all been in fights. We've been in situations where you're like, man, I can't believe this escalated. I can't, I can't believe we screamed at each other. I can't believe... Hey, listen. You're talking about knives. 
smacking, strangling. There's no excuse for that shit. I'm sorry. There just isn't. So bottom line is I look at it like this. Either he did exactly what she said he did or she's making it up. Why on earth should they be together? There's just no justification for that. You got to get out. The other big story going around right now is out of the French Open. And to me, y'all are, are just falling for this girl's routine again. Naomi Osaka, Naomi Osaka has decided that she's not going to do interviews at the French Open um, because of, quote, mental health, which is always a red flag. Now, mental health is important. Um, she said she's battled depression since the 2018 U.S. Open. I respect her for coming out and saying that. I respect it when any celebrity talks about it. But when you use it to cross the line from advocate to activist, or in, in her case now, victim, because she's now out of the French Open. She, she dropped out of it. I just question it a little bit. I question the timing of all of it. I question the way she went about it. Um, and I, by the way, I'm being kind here. I'm being diplomatic. I guess what I'm trying to get at is I'm not buying this bullshit for a second. She said in a statement that an interview after a loss is, quote, kicking someone when they're down. Well, everyone loses in a tennis tournament except for the champion, except for one of you. That's just part of, of playing. You also get paid a bunch of money the further you go. But giving an interview so the fans can hear from you is just a little too much for you to handle? I, I don't think so. I'm sorry. Everyone else has no problem doing these interviews. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying every single person loves it. And I am no staunch defender of the media, whether it's in politics, whether it's in sports, whether it's in entertainment. You know, Trump took a lot of heat for going after the media for the last, what, five, six years? Hey, listen, he's right about a lot of that. The media literally fabricates a lot of their stories. Unnamed sources, the whole nine yards. We know how it goes. But never mind Trump. Never mind politics. Keep that out of it for a second. Have an open mind. Just think about what the average professional athlete or the average actor or the average rapper or the average country star thinks about the press. They're very, very careful about them. Okay? They're very, very cautious around them. Okay, they're, they just they just kind of tread lightly because they know how bad it can get. They know they know what happens. They know bottom line. The story is about the, the, the industry now is about getting the story before you get the facts being first as opposed to get as opposed to getting it right. So I'm not sitting here saying the media is is some sort of innocent group of people here and that everyone should just run for the opportunity to deal with them. But dealing with the media is how the tournament promotes itself. Having the players Giving them media availability is literally how you promote the event. The prize money this year at the French Open is somewhere between $1.6 and $1.7 million for the winners. Male and female get the same amount. You think that would make a women's player happy? Nope. Highest paid female athlete in the world last year. Think that would make her happy? No. Remember something. We're coming off a pandemic. She's a pro tennis player. And somehow dealing with the media is just overwhelming for her. I understand she's 23. Okay, but to me, she's not just young. She's being a diva. She's being a tryhard. And I'm sorry, whether you like it or not, a spoiled brat. Now, you're going to tell me that sounds cool? Of course you are. Because she's young. Because she's female. Because she's black. Because she's Asian. And because she's bringing up the very sensitive topic of mental health. So how could I? How could I? Well, how about this? Naomi Osaka's record at the U.S. Open and Australian Opens combined is 43-7. and seven. She is an exquisite player on the hardcore and she's young too she's probably getting better when she plays at the french open and and she plays at wimbledon her record is 11 and 7 combined 11 and 7 versus 43 and 7 the difference the french open is played on clay wimbledon is played on grass and omg i just can't even with the media right before the french open not before last year's u.s open when she was parading around in bedazzled face masks with George Floyd's name and Ahmaud Arby's name and all that, because that's not going to attract attention, right? She's an introvert. 
She doesn't like speaking publicly. She doesn't want all this attention, right? Walks around with custom-made face masks, jumping on the woke bandwagon and basically pushing, let's face it, Democratic Party politics. That's what she wants to be a part of. And in a shocking twist, who's her primary sponsor? It's Nike. So she was fine before the U.S. Open last year. She was fine at the Australian Open this year. And after a win, I think it might have been after she won the title at the Australian Open, she sat there and tried to make an asshole out of one of the ESPN interviewers who sat there and just heaped praise upon her, told her how great she was, and her first response is, yeah, that wasn't a question. <laughs> right, in fr right in front of everybody. Okay, right on live TV. So to me, this is not about mental health. This is about low character. This is about chronic immaturity. I understand she's young, but to me, she's also incredibly manipulative. And you think about, oh, maybe I'm being cruel. Maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe this is too much. Never mind her record on hard court versus clay and grass. And, and just, just for a second, go ahead and put that out of your mind. And think to yourself, okay, you know what? It's weird timing, but, it, but you know what? It can happen that way. Sure, it could. But the way the entire scenario played out here, she announces on Twitter. Again, follow me on Twitter, BCAK the man. Follow the show on Twitter at Air Attack Radio. She announces on Twitter, hey, listen, I'm not doing interviews this year. Let's say that came right from her, and this was not a ploy on the part of her and her handlers. She was the highest paid female athlete in the year last year. She sponsored, like I said, by Nike and a bunch of other places, too. A bunch of other companies and entities, Sweet Green and a bunch of others, I, you know, stuff I've never even heard of. And that's fine for her. I'm not, I'm not begrudging her. You don't think one of her handlers, not just, you don't think not one of her handlers came to her and said, wait a second, you can't do that. Every other player grants media access. They go to the press conferences before the tournament. They give interviews before and after matches, and that's just how it is. They're not going to make an exception for you. You don't think anyone said that to her. Furthermore, the tournament itself reached out to her, not publicly. They didn't call her on speakerphone in front of a bunch of cameras. They reached out to her privately. She refused to take their calls. She refused to call them back. Instead, she went, won her first set match, which, which you figure she's got, or first round match, excuse me, wins it, which she's going to. And decides, hey, I'm going to drop out. They find her $15,000. Furthermore, the Australian Open, U.S. Open, and Wimbledon all came together and said, we're not putting up with this shit either. Because if they let her get away with this and just say, oh, mental health, mental health, mental health, I, I can't do it, mental health, everyone will do it. Even Serena Williams, for all of her antics, all of her diva stunts over the years, all of her emotion, and I get it, it's emotional. Like, I'm not questioning the talent, and I'm not questioning the emotion and the passion. But she would be a pain in the ass sometimes in interviews. And she'd walk out of interviews, but she would show up for the interview. You know, Donald Trump, a lot of the media would just crucify him. He couldn't stand him, but he'd show up for the interview. You show up for the interview at least. Now, you want to walk off. Now, once in a while, okay, fine. I can't, hey, guys, I can't do it today. I'm feeling overwhelmed. But to say I'm not going to do any interviews, and it's just not fair to interview people who lost the match, that's where the money comes from. They don't put up $1.6 million for the winners so that, so that you can be unavailable to the media. That's just not the deal. And I'm not doubting that she maybe has some issues here. I mean, a lot of people have mental health issues. I, I, and listen, I've gone through times when I wasn't the happiest person in the world. Okay? People get angry. People get depressed. People get stressed. It's part of life. But for this timing to come out right now, as we're getting out of a pandemic and everything's getting back to normal, for you to make this about, for her to make this about her right now is ridiculous. It's preposterous. I know everybody's different. I get it. But do you think someone who's on the verge of losing their home, who's had their car repossessed, who can't get caught up on their bills, who lost their deli, who lost their coffee shop, who lost their salon, lost their gym, can't afford their lifestyle anymore, can't afford it, had to take their kids out of private school, had to, had to relocate their entire family, maybe had to get on food stamps, 
You think they want to hear that giving a little media interview is too much for Naomi Osaka to handle? I don't think they do. She's a very marketable person. You know, she's multiracial. She's, you know, she's ex, she's a, 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 a huge talent, beyond talented at her sport. Okay, highly marketable, obviously. You become the highest paid athlete, you know, male, female, whatever, by being very marketable, by being in a popular sport or by being very marketable. You, know, you would think the highest paid female athlete maybe would be someone else. Maybe I, I would think it would be Simone Biles. No, it's Naomi, Naomi Osaka. Simone Biles actually just got, got away from Nike, which I respect very, very much. Anyway, off topic. So I'm not buying it, bottom line. I'm not buying this routine and the timing of it all. She orchestrated this. Well, I say orchestrated it because we don't know that necessarily 100%. But, but it played out in such a way that it would basically maximize the drama around it. She could have just not played. She could have said, listen, French Open people, cold Roland Garros, say, hey, listen, guys, whoever, got, whoever you got to get the message to, I'm not giving, I'm not giving a, you know, an interview this year. I'm not doing the press conferences. I'm not going to be interviewed post-match. Hope you guys are cool with that. Click. When they called her, she could have answered the phone. She could have just not played at all. No. She went out there, announced it to her Twitter followers, right? Then goes out to the French Open, plays in a match, gets fined, and now she's a poor little baby. And the reaction by certain members of the media about, OMG, good for her, good for her prioritizing mental health. I, just, I tell you, she's, she's a hero. She's an absolute hero. And the gushing over her for, for basically acting like an overgrown child tells me everything I need to know about how right I am. And if that bothers you, I'm gonna, this, is, this has become a theme lately with me. If that bothers you, then I'm sorry. Your politics have simply robbed you of the ability to think logically or honestly or both. As simple as that. You got people still squawking about, oh, Capitol riot, insurrection. A year ago to the day, as I record this show, they set fire to a guard shack outside the fucking White House. Remember that? Remember what was going on a year ago? Do you want me to name the cities? I live right next to one of them. One of them is New York. Washington, Minneapolis, Chicago, Seattle. And then Portland, which is basically a nightly thing. They try to light, they try to light the city on fire. But those things aren't insurrection. Those things aren't, aren't violent terrorist acts. No, a bunch of goofballs trying to get into the Capitol on the 6th of January. That's the worst thing in the world. No, if that's how you think, then your politics have robbed you of the ability to think logically, honestly, or both. And that's the same thing about when it comes to Naomi Osaka. You can like her. You can like her all you want. There's athletes like, I like Tiger Woods. I've been a big fan of Tiger Woods forever. But what am I going to say about that accident he got into? That he's a little victim? Guy was flying. Guy was going like 30 miles over the speed limit, crossed over two lanes of highway after losing control of his vehicle in the lane that he was in, across a median. He could have killed multiple people. He owes the world an apology. I still like him, but he owes the world an apology. To me, this is a page out of the Kaepernick playbook. She's going to try to make herself a martyr. Is she going to retire from tennis? I don't know about all that. But she may go limited schedule, and she may hide behind the whole mental health thing, but she may just decide, hey, listen, maybe that's code for I don't like playing on grass and clay. Maybe that's what this is. My prediction, and we'll see, and I'm usually right about stuff like this, she skips Wimbledon, makes her triumphant return, guess where, the U.S. Open, where they play on, guess what, a hard court. That's what I think's going to happen here. Am I wrong? Yeah, we'll see. Time will tell. PGA Championship, big win for Phil Mickelson, obviously 50 years old, the oldest major winner ever. Is that the most impressive thing that's ever happened in golf? That was a debate going around uh, social media and Twitter and whatnot. I don't know about, about all that. I'm going to say Ben Hogan, 16 months after getting crushed in a car accident, 
in coming back and winning the 1950 U.S. Open, I think that was at Marion. I think that was the that, that's going to be the biggest one for me. Ben Hogan was in a vicious crash where his wife was in the car with her, and uh, to his credit, he dove in front of his wife. I, I think I forgot what was happening. Somebody, he was hit head on. I don't know if it was by another car or a truck, but he saw it coming and he dove in front of his wife. Probably saved her life. And I want you to remember something. It's 1949 when this happens. This is 1949 hospitals and 1949 medicine and 1949 surgeries. And he had a bunch of surgeries. They put them back together. And just 16 months later, he goes and he wins at Marion, wins the U.S. Open. I understand the fields back then were not nearly as competitive as who Phil faces or who Tiger has beaten. And we can have that debate at a different time. I just think the fact that he came back from a just a horrific incident like that to even play, much less win. I think that's the most impressive thing. Takes nothing away from Phil and what he did this weekend. There was a lot of bad golf at Kiowa. There's a lot of wind there. Um, the first time I saw that golf course on TV was back, I think it was 1991. They played the played the Ryder Cup there. And, you know, if they had if they had basically been playing stroke play, they said that on Sunday the average scores would have been in the high 70s. It was It was just that windy there. Wind kicked up on Sunday. I think just over the four days of playing, though, the guys were exhausted. Um, you know, Brooks Kepka made birdie, I think, in the first hole, and Phil made bogey, and you th said, okay, here we go. Didn't work out that way. I mean, there's a lot of bad golf shots from Brooks. Some bad shots from Phil, too. Phil had a putt that hit the hole that if he didn't, if he hadn't hit the hole, my buddy Pete said it probably would be in the Atlantic right now, and I think he was kind of right. I mean, so there was a little bit of luck there for Phil Mickelson because of the way his competitors played. He got breaks like that. I, 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 look, I'm still impressed by what he did. To go wire to wire like that, or, you know, go four days like that and, you know, take the lead into Saturday and hold on to it Saturday and Sunday, I thought was really impressive. I talked to a friend who was down there, said it was, number one, one of the most impressive golf properties he's ever seen. But the other thing was he was on 18. It was, he basically, he was following the leaders for the last six, seven holes. He was sort of leapfrogging the group. Uh, when I say the group, the group of fans, the gallery and getting to the greens before everyone else did. He said when he was on the 18th green, right right next to the green at least, there was talk of carrying Phil off of it. <laughs> I said, please, for the love of God, don't get involved in that. I never saw a throng like that where they were out of control. Security lost all control of those people. Fortunately, they were, you know, compliant in the end. Not fair to Brooks Kepka, by the way, too, where, you know, Phil has to fight to get through. He's scared because people are grabbing onto him, and then Brooks Kepka is behind this throng of people. So just a wild, wild scene. Also, you had a video come out where, Bryson DeChambeau walks behind Brooks while he's giving an interview. Those two guys do not like each other. They have not liked each other for a long time. Um, the whole thing really came to a head, I think it was two years ago, down the street at Liberty National, where they were holding the, I think it's the Northern Trust, right? Um, and there was an issue with Bryson's pace of play. And Bryson's caddy came over to say something to Brooks in the putting rings. I guess Brooks Kepka had made mention of it. And Brooks said, if he's got a problem with me, have him come talk to me himself. Never really got that far, but it's kind of been dicey between those two ever since. To me, it's kind of good for the game. Um, I don't think there's really anything that's that big of a deal there. They're going back and forth like little kids on Twitter. Eh, are they acting like overgrown children? Yes, they are. Is it the worst thing in the world? Eh, probably not. But on a golf course, you should probably behave yourself just a little better than those two. So, and if you think I'm being hard on Naomi Osaka, but easy on those two guys, well, listen, those two guys show up and do their jobs and do them well. All of their jobs, including access to the media, even when they're having bad days. So whereas it may seem like I'm being cruel to the poor little girl, I'm actually just asking that she be held to the same standard as the men because all I've been hearing for the last few years is how female athletes are right there on the same level as the men. Well, if that's the case, act like it. Simple as that. NBA playoffs. Uh, first and foremost, the NBA play-in, which is the greatest idea in the world because Adam Silver came up with it. Um, why are they doing that? 
Well, very simply, you got six extra games on TV. That's why they're doing it. Um, now, where, does that, where, where have you heard that before? Extra games on TV before the actual event starts. Kind of sounds like something that happens in March every year. So the NBA, not to be outdone, says, hey, more games on TV is better. The irony of this, though, is that it cost Steph Curry, arguably the league's most, most popular player, a chance to be in the playoffs because they would have been the eight seed. The Lakers would have been the seven seed. Ends up where the Lakers beat the, beat the Warriors in that playing game. People are going crazy over the ratings of that game. See, it was the highest rated game on ESPN since 2019. The NBA's back. No, it's Steph versus LeBron in a very high pressure situation here. Okay, maybe one of the last times they'll meet each other in the playoffs. LeBron gets the better of Steph in this game. Now Steph and, he, and the Warriors lose to the Grizzlies. Steph's out of the playoffs. NBA don't give a shit because the, it's not it's not like you lose that series that the Warriors would have been in. You still get that series with the Grizzlies. They're playing the Jazz right now. But you you lose Steph for the playoffs, but you get the six extra games on TV. And Adam Silver's mind, that's worth it. Dollars and cents. Okay, and I, I could go off on Adam Silver and how qualified he is for that job, but that's that's a different story. We know where his focus in is right now. It's money and it's politics. That's why you have a playing game, simple as that. But the irony is that you... You bring in all this revenue, but you get rid of one of your best players. Just how it is. I know there was talk about LeBron not getting fined for a party, but then Porzingis was fined for going to a strip club. I don't know all the details about where LeBron is. To say LeBron gets special treatment is an understatement. We all know that. He can pretty much do no wrong. I mean, a lot of people think he controls the NBA. Uh, that's not quite true because if we're up to LeBron, the NBA bubble would have ended after Jacob Blake got shot last year. It didn't. He tried. He tried really hard. If he really controlled the NBA, the NBA bubble never would have finished. Simple as that. Um, so he doesn't control the NBA, but he's got a lot to say. I don't know the particulars here. Suffice it to say, if you're Porzingis and you're going to a gentleman's club, you are basically in the riskiest scenario you could be in. Do I think it's overkill? Yes. Do I think it's an overreaction? Yes. Do I think it's no fair that LeBron got didn't get punished, but Porzingis did? I can't say that because I don't know. I don't know the scenario that LeBron was in. I don't know exactly what Porzingis did. These guys have rules. Whether you like them or not, they have to they have to follow them. I'm guessing the COVID things are going to be completely off for next year because let's face it, these guys want to have social lives. Just, to, just because a couple guys got caught doing stuff they weren't supposed to be doing doesn't mean it doesn't go on all the time. I'm not just, be, just being realistic about it. And you know what? That's fair. I mean, there's no reason whatsoever why the guys can't live normal lives now. You know, it's, it's enough's enough. They sacrificed a lot. Those guys, and I'm not a huge fan of the NBA, okay, or the grandstanding and the, you know, getting involved in politics and, and, and spreading what, as far as I'm concerned, are falsehoods about cops and about just life in America in general. I don't want to go off on that right now. But the guys sacrificed a lot to be part of that bubble. They're also paid handsomely for it. Okay, fine. But it's, it's very, very taxing. The guys are human beings. They got mental health issues too, right? Not just Naomi Osaka. These guys got mental health issues. They're locked in the bubble for the, for the entirety of the playoffs last year. You know what? It's a big deal. They've sacrificed a lot. Eventually, they're going to want to go to a party. They're going to want to go to a nudie bar. Just how it works. They're guys. Okay, that's just the way it is. Eventually, these COVID restrictions and, you know, referees in masks, uh, the guys in the scoring table, and coaches in masks, players in masks on the bench. If you guys are all tested all the time and you're vaccinated, at least the guys who want to be vaccinated, what are we still doing with masks? How come, you can, how come you can play the game with masks on, but you can't be on the bench with masks? That makes no sense whatsoever. It's pure theater. Comes back to Adam Silver's politics, and it's ridiculous. In a perfect world, neither guy would have been fine, but I kind of understand. I kind of understand getting on Porzingis just for the simple fact that he made a mockery of the rules. I can, I can almost, almost see it that way. Is it really just about LeBron getting special treatment? Yeah, it probably is, but who knows? I don't know about all that. The other stuff that's been going on in these playoff games... The behavior of the fans is, I mean, beyond unacceptable. And I'm telling you right now, they dump popcorn on Russell Westbrook. It's pop. It's popcorn. doesn't matter. It's the disrespect. The guy just got done playing his ass off. We know how hard Russell Westbrook plays. 
And Russell Westbrook is one of the classiest athletes out there. Gave more money as a as a former player to UCLA than any any former Bruin in history. Now, granted, he plays now where there is more money to be made in the NBA, so I get all that. But still, he left an $8,000 tip for the girls in Disney, okay, when he checked out of his hotel room after the NBA bubble, after getting eliminated. I mean, come on now. The guy's a good guy. Guy does all kinds. I mean, he's always interacting with fans. And some dickhead from Philadelphia is going to pour popcorn on him. I, I'm telling you right now, you know what would put an end to this? Just put the guy in a room with the player. Someone at MSG spit on Trey Young. This is post-COVID New York City. You're spitting on Trey Young. I know Trey Young's a pain in the ass. He's supposed to be a pain in the ass. You're playing against him. But this is how immature and classless the fans have become. And then someone in Boston, and to me this is different, someone threw a bottle at Kyrie Irving. Boston cops arrested the guy. Charged him. And you know what? People said, oh, he threw a water bottle. What if something's in the water bottle? You know how heavy a water bottle is? You got to be out of your mind. Even if that thing was like a third full, you could do damage. What if it hits him in his eye? I know I sound like an old man, but seriously, what if it hits the guy in his eye? What if it hits him in the throat? What if it hits him in his nose? What if the thing was the thing wasn't full? You could tell it was wobbling in the air, but I don't think the thing was empty. The way the thing was traveling in the air it looked like there was some liquid in there. Bottom line is, what are you throwing anything at players for? That's not somebody ran to the court during the Sixers Wizards game yesterday. Some moron went and went and slapped the backboard, got his money's worth. Dwight Howard stood over him. I don't know what he said to him, but the behavior of some of these fans and. You know, a lot of these arenas are not at full capacity right now, so it's driving the ticket prices up artificially because there's a limited supply. It's a complete pain in the ass. Plus, you got to get you know yelled at by security to keep your mask on and everything else. New York City is not the safest place right now, so it was impossible to get people to come out. So you could go to Yankee Stadium. I'm not kidding for like seven, eight dollars. Get yourself in, and you could probably switch seats if you wanted to. So next thing you know, some moron who paid twelve dollars for their ticket in left center field at Yankee Stadium, all of a sudden is throwing a bunch of baseballs. I don't know where they got them from. Maybe batting practice. I have no idea. Throwing baseballs at players on the field. So maybe it's just post-COVID knuckleheads. I don't know. Maybe there's not enough cops there, but. I will echo the thoughts of Kevin Durant here. Kevin Durant was asked about what he thinks, and he was actually pretty realistic about it. He said, look, tensions are high after COVID. I, I could kind of buy that, but again, you having an issue with stress or anger or whatever it is is not an excuse to go out there and endanger people. And Kevin Durant concluded it by saying, hey, listen, I think people need to grow the fuck up and enjoy the game, and that's, that's basically uh, the perfect way to put it. Well said, KD. That is all there is to it, and that is all the time. We got this week on The Air Attack. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you check out Facebook.com slash The Air Attack. Also, follow me on Twitter at BCAK The Man. Follow the show at Twitter at Air Attack Radio. And remember, The Air Attack with BC The Man can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. Subscribe and share today. Close it out tonight with my man from Miami. Here is Lace, so fly. I am Beast of the Man. We'll see you guys next time on the Air Attack. I wake up and I roll up. Wait, hold up. You know what? There's no luck. One more bucks, give no fucks. No fucks. So what? Yeah, you got ice, but you look like a little blonde type. Red hair, pink hair, blue hair. Oh, hell. Oh, well. I guess that's just the type of shit that's gon' sell. Change, game strange. I don't wanna be near. I'm up and out of here in a different atmosphere. I'm so high, I'm so fly. You know why? How I vibe ain't no lie.
lie, ain't no lie. 305 is what made me. Hustling is what pays me. On the daily, getting ladies. You know why? I'm so fly, so fly, so fly. I'm fresh. Getting cash, I got the girls. Plus the checks, what's next? I'm so fly, alright. I'm so fly, alright. I'm so fly. Fly 